The focus of the sixth parak is the nadunya, the dowry, which is a gift of money or property, which the father of a bride promises to give into the marriage for the son-in-law to benefit from, and the main purpose of the nadunya is in order to make it easier for his daughter to get married. And we're going to see later on in this parak that really it's an obligation upon the father of a bride to give a nadunya. This is a real law instituted by the Chachomim. Now the value of the nadunya is written inside of the kasuba, and the woman, upon being divorced or widowed when she receives her kasuba, she would also receive the value of the nadunya back from the husband. And the Mishnah says, elef dinar, If the woman set a value of a thousand dinar, a thousand zuz, to bring into the marriage for her husband, so either the woman did this or her father, so she's bringing into the marriage a thousand dinar in cash form. Now because it's in cash form, he's able to use this for business purposes, he can invest the money, and he will quite easily make a profit from that a thousand zuz, which is in cash form already. And because of that, the husband sets a value of 15 mone. A mone is 100 dinar. So 15 mone is 1,500 dinar. He would set that value corresponding to the 1,000 dinar, and he would write 1,500 dinar inside of the kasuba. So even though he's only receiving 1,000 dinar, he has to write in the kasuba that he received 1,500 dinar, and that when she is divorced or widowed, he will give her that amount. Because since he has the ability to use this money for investing and business purposes and to make a profit from that ready cash, he needs to add on half of its value. So instead of giving back a thousand, he has to give back a thousand five hundred. Now throughout Shas, very often when a man is obligated to pay the value of something plus a fraction of that money. For example, in this case, where he has to pay back the value plus half its value. So when the Mishnah or the Gemara will refer to that amount, they don't call it half, even though 500, the amount which he is adding, is certainly half of the 1,000. So he's adding on a half. Nevertheless, when Chazal refer to this, they say that he adds on a third. Why is that? Because the amount that he is adding on, once he has added that, it will then be a third of the total amount. Half of a thousand is 500. So once he adds it on, there's going to be 1,500. So it emerges that the amount that he added on, which was 500, is a third of the total amount of 1,500. So this is known as shlish, a third, milavar, which means it's on the outside, it's external. So shlish milavar means that it's a third, but only once you've got the total after it's been added on. Be as it may, the mission now brings another example of this concept of milvar, and that is uchaneged hashum, corresponding to something which is evaluated. So we're not talking about a case where she brings in cash to the marriage, rather she brings in property. So they need to evaluate the value of the property in order to know how much he needs to write in the kasuba that he will repay her upon divorcing her or dying. So in this case, not only does he not add on to that value and write a higher value in the kasuba, but he's actually going to write a lower value. The reason being that when people evaluate something for the sake of an adunya, they would usually over-evaluate it for the advantage of the woman. They know that this is going to make a man more likely to marry her. That is the whole purpose of the nadunya. And so they would often over-evaluate the value of the property which she is bringing into the marriage as the nadunya. And because of that, he would set the value in the kasuba as a fifth less than the evaluation. And the Mishnah in a couple of lines time is going to bring an example for this. And there we will see that once again, a fifth does not mean a fifth. It's actually more than a fifth. 
just that when that amount is added on, then it represents a fifth of the total amount. We'll explain that when we, re- when we reach the example, but the Mishnah says, If property is evaluated as being a hundred dinar, and they know the fact that it actually is worth a hundred dinar, they happen to know that this time when it was evaluated, they did not over-evaluate it. So in that case, the husband only has a money, meaning he has to write the full value of the property which was evaluated, since that is its true value. Now what happens if a woman tells her husband to write in the kasuba that shumbamone, the property which she's bringing into the marriage, is evaluated as a mone, a hundred dinar. The evaluation hasn't yet taken place, she hasn't yet chosen the property even, but she says, I'm going to bring you property into the marriage, which would require you to write in the kasuba a hundred dinar. Now he always writes less than it's actually worth. We're talking about a case where they do over-evaluate it. So when she comes to bringing the property, she can't just give him a hundred dinar. She has to give him a hundred dinar plus a chaymesh, plus a fifth. Now, as we explained, this does not mean plus a fifth. It means plus an amount, which once that amount is added on, it will represent a fifth of the total. Now, that amount happens to be a quarter. If you think about it, let's take an example. A quarter of a hundred is twenty-five. When you add twenty-five to a hundred, it's a hundred and twenty-five, and twenty-five is a fifth of 125. So a quarter, once it's added on to the amount which there was originally, represents a fifth of the total amount. So she would need to add on a quarter. She would give property which is worth 31 sela and a dinar. A sela is four dinars, so 31 sela and a dinar is actually 125. Since she told him to write a hundred dinar, she needs to give him an extra chaymesh, an extra fifth, which we explained actually means an extra quarter. So she would give him a hundred and twenty-five. Property which is worth a hundred and twenty-five dinar. With Abameis, if she told him to write down four hundred dinar, then he sends chamesh meis, she would need to give five hundred dinar. Again, she adds on a quarter, so a quarter of four hundred is one hundred, and then the total is five hundred, so it comes out that the amount that she added, one hundred dinar, is a fifth of the total amount, which is five hundred dinar. And the Mishnah repeats again that masheh chosan paisek, that which the chosan, the groom, the man getting married, the value which he sets in the kasuba, who paisek pachas chaymesh, he always sets a value of a fifth less than the real value of the property. And the reason why the Mishnah repeats this is to tell us that this law applies both to a large nadunya and a small nadunya. For every type of nadunya, the practice was to over-evaluate the property, even if it's a small amount, so it wouldn't make much of a difference to over-evaluate it, and even if it's a large amount, where they might not necessarily need to over-evaluate it, because she's already bringing in a large nadunya. Nevertheless, the practice was always to over-evaluate it, and therefore he was always writing the kasuba, an amount which was a chaymesh less, a chaymesh milavar, which means an external fifth, which as we explained means a quarter. Mishnah Dalad, now the Mishnah goes back to bring an example of how he needs to add on to the amount that she's bringing in if she brings in cash. Poskal hachnes like sofim, if she sets an amount to bring in cash into the marriage as the nadunya, sela kesef nasa dinarim, a sela of silver, which is four dinar, would become six dinar, he would need to write down in the kasuba the value plus a half, which we explained is actually known as a third, because when you add on, when you add on a half, so a half would be a third of the total amount of one and a half. And again, the reason why the Mishnah brings another example, even though we explained this at the beginning of the previous Mishnah, is to show that it applies even for small amounts. Alright, what happens if, upon marrying a woman, 
the groom, the man getting married, accepts upon himself and promises to supply her with 10 dinar for the sake of her perfumes and cosmetics. So we understand that that which he promised was not just 10 dinar, rather it was the kol mone umone. For every 100 dinar of the Nadunya, he accepts it upon himself to give her 10 dinar for the sake of her cosmetics and makeup. It all depends on the custom of that place. And the truth is, is going back on what we said in the previous Mishnah and this Mishnah about adding and taking away to the value and changing what he writes in the Kasuba. According to Mishim and Gamliel, if the custom of that place was not a fixed thing that they would always over-evaluate it, or he would need to give more if she gave cash, if that was not the custom in that location, then he wouldn't change the amount that he writes in the Kasuba, and he would write exactly what she brings in, that's what he would write in the Kasuba, and that's what she would receive upon being divorced or widowed. Mishnah Hay, as you mentioned earlier, the Nadunya is not just a nice thing, which the father of a bride sometimes does in order to marry off his daughter, rather the Chacholm instituted that he needs to give her an Nadunya to bring into the marriage. And so Amasis Stam, one who marries off his daughter without specifying how much he will give her as the Nadunya, he cannot give her any less than 50 Zuz as the Nadunya. Now, many Mephoshim explain that we're not necessarily talking about property which she'll bring into the marriage, but we're talking about her wedding needs, for example her wedding dress and jewellery for the wedding, that is also considered in some way part of the Nadunya. It's for the sake of the wedding and the marriage, and it is also necessary that the father provide her with that, and the minimum is 50 Zuz. But what happens if Posak Lach Nisa Aruma, if he fixed, if the father set it that he would bring her into the wedding literally unclothed, and that means that he basically said that I'm not going to give her any money for the sake of her wedding. So if the son-in-law agreed, then that's okay, but the husband or the son-in-law, the one who's going to marry the woman, he can't say when I bring her into my house after the marriage, then I'll start giving her from my clothes and I'll provide her with what she needs. Rather, he would be obligated to provide clothes for her while she is still in her father's house and he would need to make sure that she has the clothing and jewelry necessary for her wedding. So the point is, between the father and the husband, they need to make sure that she has what she needs for the sake of the wedding. The same applies when marrying off an orphaned girl. So if the tzedakah fund of that town are providing for her needs, they cannot give her any less than 50 zuz for her to spend on what she needs for the wedding. And in fact, in Yeshba Kis, if there is enough money available in the tzedakah fund, then they will be obligated to provide for her according to her honour. Meaning if she came from a very wealthy family, let's say, but since she became an orphan, she hasn't got anywhere where she can get the money from for her wedding, they would be obligated to provide for her according to what she is used to. That is how the obligation of Tzedakah works, so one needs to provide for the person their needs, and if her needs are based on her previous status, what she is used to, then the Tzedakah fund would be obligated to provide her that amount. Mr. Vov, Yosemar, a girl who was orphaned from her father, her father died, and she is still under the age of bas mitzvah, and her mother or brothers married her off with her knowledge and consent. So she agreed, and they wrote for her in a dunya of 100 or 50 zuz, and she agreed to that, and she went into the marriage with an adunya of 50 or 100 zuz. Now, it could be that her father was a very wealthy man, in which case if her father was still alive, he would certainly give her a large nadunya. 
and there is actually an opinion, which the Gemara explains as the opinion of the Tanakama, that she is entitled to a tenth of the entire inheritance which her father left behind. She's entitled to a tenth of it for the sake of her Nadunya. Either way, 50 or 100 zuz is likely to be a much smaller amount than that which she is entitled to. And therefore, She is able to take from their hands and demand the amount which is fitting to be given to her once she grows up and becomes bas mitzvah. Although she agreed to it at the time of the marriage, at that time she was a katana, she was under the age of bas mitzvah, so she hasn't got sufficient understanding of what is going on, and her actions don't really have legal significance either. And therefore the fact that she said that she was willing to forego on her right to a tenth of the inheritance is irrelevant. If she was already bas mitzvah at that time, so it's too late, she effectively gave over the right which she had to the property back to the rest of the family. But since she was a katana at that time, she wasn't able to do that and therefore she's still entitled to a tenth of the inheritance for the sake of the nadunya. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says that a girl whose father died does not receive a tenth of the inheritance. Rather, we estimate how much her father would have given for the sake of the Nadunya, and that is the amount that she is entitled to. And Rabbi Yehuda gives an example of where we can know what that amount is quite accurately. In Hisias Abbasarishayna, if the father, while he was alive, married off his first daughter, and he fixed the amount of the Nadunya, so now we know how much she would give. The second daughter, whose father has now died, she would receive according to the amount that he gave to his oldest daughter. However, the Chachomim and the Chachomim say, you're right, Rabbi Yehuda, that we always estimate how much the father would have given. However, you cannot base this estimation on what he gave to his first daughter. Because many times a person is poor and then he becomes wealthy, or he starts wealthy and then he becomes poor. And the Gemara explains that we're not talking about somebody whose actual wealth changes. Rather, we're talking about somebody who is poor or wealthy in his own mind. It could be that at the time of the marriage of his first daughter, he felt very, very wealthy, he felt very confident about his money. So at that time, he gave a large nadunya. But very often, somebody's confidence goes down. And in his mind, he's not considered so wealthy. So what he did a year ago and gave for his first daughter's nadunya, you cannot assume that that's what he would have given today to his next daughter. Rather, we evaluate the amount of property which the father left behind in his inheritance, and we give her an adunya which is valued at what we would estimate somebody with this amount of property would give as an adunya. It's not a fixed amount, a tenth of the property. Rather, it's what we estimate somebody, the average person who has this amount of money, would give for his daughter's adunya.